Some winter-like weather yesterday, my kind of snow, just enough to uh, coat the trees and no shoveling involved, A-plus on my list. Uh, there is something about uh, snow in December that is rather magical and beautiful, isn't it? Truly. Well, travel back with me in time, if you will, more than 50 years ago. The year is 1963, when a very creative author and illustrator named Maurice Sendak published his children's book, which is called Where the Wild Things Are. You know it. How many of us remember reading that as a child? reading it to our children or our grandchildren. I remember being fascinated by the illustrations in this book as a kid. Uh, beautiful. It tells a story, if you're not familiar with it, of a little boy whose name was Max. He gets into trouble at home because he puts on his wolf suit and uh, not happy at home because he does things he shouldn't do, and he gets sent off to bed without any dinner. In the mind of a little boy, his room where he is in exile is magically transformed into the outside world, a whole jungle out there, and he then gets into his own private boat and he sails off to where the wild things are. And as the book puts it, when he came to the place where the wild things are, they roared their terrible roars and gnashed their terrible teeth and rolled their terrible eyes and showed their terrible claws till Max said, be still. Max is then named king of all wild things. But there was a problem. And that's what I read to you now. And Max, the king of all wild things, was lonely and wanted to be where someone loved him best of all. Then all around, from far away across the world, he smelled good things to eat. So he gave up being king of where the wild things are and sailed back over a year and in and out of weeks and through a day and into the night of his very own room where he found his supper waiting for him and it was still hot. <laughs> That's a great book. Well, in this season of short days and long nights, we may find ourselves like Max, of dreaming and imagining faraway places where we'd like to go. If you have little kids at home, or maybe if you even have big kids at home, you don't have to look very far to find out where the wild things are because they live right there with you under the roof of your own house. In today's uh, Old Testament reading, as well as the Gospel lesson, both of them speak to where the wild things are. The Lord's messenger is called to be the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And so on this second Sunday in Advent, we come face to face with the messenger of the Lord, John the Baptist, who is out where the wild things are and who calls all people to repentance.
May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. The Advent season began last Sunday with the first Sunday in Advent, and with it we enter into a new cycle of scripture readings for the year ahead. Like a lot of other churches, we follow what's called the three-year lectionary or scripture readings appointed to be read in worship services, just like we did this morning. Year A follows Matthew's gospel. Year B follows Mark's gospel. Year C follows Luke's gospel, with John's gospel sort of interspersed throughout. We are now in year B, and so we will focus in the year ahead on Mark's account of the life and ministry of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the very opening verses from Mark's gospel are what are before us in the gospel lesson today. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And almost immediately then, we hear about this one sent by God to prepare the way of the Lord. That is, John the Baptist. Now Mark's account of John the Baptist is far more tame than what we're told in Matthew or in Luke's account, and Mark's entire gospel is just 16 chapters, verses 28 in Matthew and 24 in Luke. As one enterprising parishioner asked me last evening after the service, wow, does that mean then if Mark's gospel is shorter that the sermons will be shorter in the year ahead too? <laughs> I had no answer to that. But the message of John is the same in all. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There had been no prophetic voice in Israel for some 400 years. And then, boom, all of a sudden, John bursts onto the scene, his fiery preaching out in the wilderness, his rough clothing of camel's hair, his Spartan diet of locusts and wild honey, immediately called to people's remembrance, Elijah of old. And so now they asked, is this the one the Lord promised to send, the new Elijah? His ministry of preparation there at the Jordan River called all people to repentance for the forgiveness of sins. All people. We live in a world where we rebel against one size fits all. We don't like that. We like to think of ourselves as unique individuals. And so we don't like being lumped together with everybody else. But John's message really was about one size fits all. The high and the mighty, the lowly and despised, the young and the old, the rich and the poor, male, female, all are called to repentance 
So can it be any different with us today? We too, all of us, are called to repentance. The truth of God's word confronts us in that Old Testament reading from Isaiah. All flesh is grass. All its beauty is like the flower of the field. Our brief life will soon be over. And more than this, as Peter the Apostle tells us in the epistle lesson, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. This is the harsh truth we would rather not think about, particularly in the beauty of this holiday season. We say, oh, that is too depressing to think about. But you see, the Lord does call us to think about that, to think on these things now in this time of grace before that great and final day when he comes again. The Lord calls us to do an about face, to stop walking in the way of sin and selfishness where it is rooted in me and my will being done rather than God and his will being done. We are called to stop walking in that direction and by the power of the Holy Spirit walk in a new direction, turning away from sin and obedience and turning to the Lord with repentant hearts. You see, in some form or fashion, we are, all of us, like that boy Max in the book. We, too, put on our wolf costume, whether others can see it or not, and we roar our terrible roars, and we roll our terrible eyes, and we claw our terrible claws at one another, and we become someone we are not. We're prone to get into trouble, to go where we are not to go, to do what we are not to do, to go where the wild things are. We want to serve ourselves. But the strange thing is, once we do, we soon find out that this doesn't really satisfy us like we thought it would. Something is missing. We are unfulfilled. And like Max, we want to be where someone loves us best of all. And isn't that what life really is all about? That one to whom John the Baptist pointed is the one whose sandals neither John nor we are worthy to stoop down and untie. This is Jesus, whose first coming we celebrate at Christmas and whose coming again we wait and watch for, not with servile fear, but with eager expectation, with joyful hope. This is Jesus who does indeed love us best of all. 
and who demonstrated this not just with words, but with action. Through his humble and loving service, through his innocent suffering and death upon the cross, through his glorious resurrection, all of this Jesus did for you because he loves you best of all. (laughs) This is the good news of great joy in Advent, in Christmas, at any time. This is what makes all things new again. We don't need to go sailing off in our private boat to far-flung locations in order to find our identity and security and meaning in life. All of these things come to us through the one who has come to us, Jesus, so that he might love us and give his life for us because it is in Jesus that we know who we are because we know whose we are. Because we know who we are and whose we are, friends, we have a message of hope to bring to our troubled world. With all the craziness going on in the world right now, people are looking for something to put their hope and trust in, something that is true, something that is life-giving, something that is abiding for all time. Not just something, but someone. And you and I, we have the high and holy privilege of doing exactly what John the Baptist did in his day, and that is pointing people to Jesus. So when all the glitter and the lights and the decorations and the stuff of this season are stripped away, what is left? What then remains? And it is Jesus who came that we might have life and have it abundantly. We are the bridge between our Advent Lord Jesus Christ and people in the world around us. In a very real sense, we become the hands and the feet and the mouth of Jesus to bless the lives of others to be Christ to our neighbor. And what an amazing time of year now to have that joyful responsibility. Peter reminds us in today's epistle lesson, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace. May our Advent Lord Jesus Christ strengthen us in faith toward him and in fervent love toward one another as we wait and watch for his promised coming. Amen.